Hello, oddballs. Welcome to Cup of Taboo. My name is Tyler and I like to research dark, weird and taboo topics and then tell you all about it. I would be interested in what you guys think is taboo because I found that taboo is very subjective and what is taboo for one is totally normal for another. So let me know. Super keen to know. Today will be the third installment of Strange and Unfortunate Deaths. This one is the Animal Edition. As I was researching and getting my stuff ready, I like, I was busy going through it case by case, you know, because that's how I do it. I'll like find one and sort of have an offspin of that. And by the time I got to like the first like four cases, I was like, oh, all of these involve an animal in some way. So I figured I would just run with it and I just decided to make an animal-centric episode. It's wild out there. <laughs> anyway, I hope you are ready for your weekly dose of strange, bizarre and unfortunate served in your cup of taboo. I know some things that you girls know. Warning, the following episode contains some graphic descriptions of death that some listeners might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Number 1. Jao Maria de Souza. Cattle through the roof. In 2013, a Brazilian man was killed by a cow falling through his roof while he slept. Now you may be thinking, but Tyler, how did a cow get onto his roof? Cows can't fly, can they? Pigs can. Cows cannot. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) Nay, friends, they cannot. However, the house that Mr. D'Souza lived in was basically... It it was a, a, a little tin house that was basically built right onto like a little hill so the hill was kind of like in line with the roof if that makes sense and obviously like I said it was a tin house and it had a tin roof which is very thin very non-capable of holding heavy weights so they think that what happened was this cow escaped its herd and it simply walked from the hill onto the roof and because cows tend to weigh quite a lot Depending on the cow, on average it is between 1,200 and 1,500 pounds, or 544 to 680 kilograms. The tin roof was not sufficient. It could not withstand the weight of the cow, and the cow fell through the roof, landing on a sleeping Zhao and his wife. His wife and the cow, they were both fine, and Zhao was taken to the hospital with what seemed to be minor injuries and a broken leg, but he ended up dying a few hours later, most likely due to internal bleeding. Number 2. Robert Boardman Not the greatest of all time. Robert was a 63-year-old man who was a skilled hiker, and in 2010 he was hiking in Olympic National Park in Washington with his wife and a friend when a pesky mountain goat started to harass them. Robert told his hiking crew to go ahead and he would try to like scare the goat away as one does with mountain goats 
and as they walked away, he was busy shooing it away, and a few moments later, they heard him screaming. So they ran back to where he was, and when they got there, they found that the goat had gored Robert in the leg with his horn. Is it a horn? Is it called a horn? His thing on his head. I think it's a horn. Antler. Ah, oh, I don't know the difference now. I have to research it. So this goat had gored Robert in the leg and was standing over his body and would not move. It was a super aggro goat. So just to quickly like quickly paint a mental picture for you, mountain goats of this kind specifically are not like the cute little farm goats that I think of. No, no. These things are huge. They stand at about three foot at the shoulder, so that's about 0.9 meters tall. That's at the shoulder. Then they still head with their horn antler things. And they weigh up to 300 pounds or 136 kgs. So for those of you who are thinking, just run up to the goat and give it a good kick or push it over, like tip it, the cow tipping, the goat tipping. No, no, this guy will mess you up. Anyway, the goat stood over poor old Robert and would not move. And they had to basically throw rocks at the goat and like really like throw things at it to get it to eventually move. And when it did, Robert was airlifted to a hospital, but he had died from blood loss. I'm assuming it probably murdered him in the in the artery in the leg, the femoral artery, I believe it's called. Yeah. So the specific goat that had injured Robert or killed Robert, should I say, he was actually flagged as a violent goat by the rangers in the park, and unfortunately, they eventually had to put it down because he was harassing hikers. Just an interesting tidbit in the, on the mountain goats in this park. They were originally introduced in the 20s to give hunters more hunting options. Then when hunting was phased out and banned, the goats numbers started to increase. And in 2010, there were around 300 of them in the park. And they were not scared of humans. Because at this point, humans were not their predators like they originally were when they were brought into the park. So that's, that's the mountain goats for you. Number three, Carl P. Schmidt, death by snakebite. So this one is not necessarily a unique death in that one person has died by snakebite, but just the way that it happened made me want to sort of talk about it a bit. Carl was a world-renowned herpetologist working at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. A herpetologist is a scientist who specializes in the study of reptiles and amphibians. One day in September of 1957, Carl was brought a Boomslang snake, which is a beautiful snake from Africa, most often green. They really are very cute little snakes. They've got little eyes on the sides of their heads, tiny little heads. But anyway, very, very venomous. When he removed the snake from the bag, <laughs> cat out of the bag, he got the snake out of the bag. <laughs> Sorry. He was bitten on his thumb. Now, a... <laughs> green <laughs> he had a green thumb if you would like to say i'm so sorry anyway so now the thing with a, a boom slung is that they have got rear fangs which means that its bitey teeth are at the back of its mouth so they have to open their mouth super wide in order to, to get those suckers to inject the venom into their their prey or their attacker or whatever they were trying to bite. So because of this, back in 1957, most scientists actually believed that it was actually quite a harmless snake. And oh how wrong they were. Anyway, needless to say, Carl was not worried about his bite because these weren't dangerous snakes. 
and he was actually quite enthused about the fact that he would be able to have first-hand knowledge on the effects of the venom and the effects of a Bormslang bite. So when he got home, he started documenting his symptoms, and the one entry in his diary went as follows. September 26th, 6.30 a.m. Temperature 98.2, which is 36.7 degrees Celsius. Ate cereal and poached eggs on toast and applesauce and coffee for breakfast. No urine with an ounce or so of blood every three hours. Mouth and nose continuing to bleed, not excessively. Shortly after this entry, he became unresponsive and when he was taken to the hospital, he was pronounced dead. The initial cause of death was listed as respiratory failure. However, after an official autopsy was done, it was noted that there was bleeding from the lungs, eyes, heart, kidneys and brain. So the venom of a Wormslung is called a hemotoxin, which means that it disables the coagulation, coagulation, which is the thickening process, and this can cause hemorrhaging into tissues in the body. Which So basically, if you get bitten by a Wormslung or any other snake that has hemotoxic venom, it prevents your blood from clotting, which causes you to bleed out basically on the inside and outside, just lots of blood. So, there have actually only been around 8 Wormslung related deaths since Carl's, which is not very high if you think about it, but they are considered one of the most venomous snakes in Sub-Saharan Africa. And Africa as a whole, I think. But anyway, so, yeah, pretty green tree snake, avoid it. I think they can also be slightly light brown, but don't quote me, don't, don't come at me. Also, while I was researching for sounds for this episode, <laughs> I was like, okay, so snakes hiss, right? I had to find out if all snakes hiss. Turns out, most snakes hiss. However, the larger ones, well, most snakes have the ability to hiss, but the larger ones are more likely to hiss, the smaller ones not. Interesting. Just a fun fact. Number four, Judy K. Zagorski, Stingray to the Face. On the 20th of March 2008, Judy K. Zagorski, who was 57 at the time, was on a speedboat with her father, her mother and her sister on the Florida Keys, going at about 40 kilometers an hour when a spotted stingray jumped out of the water. Judy was sitting at the front of the boat and unfortunately, as the ray jumped, her head, going at 40 kilometers an hour on the boat, hit the stingray with such a force that she died. She died of skull fractures and brain injuries. If this isn't the definition of a freak accident, then I don't know what is. So just so you know about the spotted eagle ray, they can grow up to be 5 meters long including their tail, and can weigh up to 225 kilograms. The one that hit Judy was around only 35 kilograms, but I mean if you imagine hitting 35 kilograms at 40 kilometers per hour with your little noggin, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go so well. So the larger wingspans can reach up to 3 meters. That's huge. These rays do have venomous barbs at the end of their tail, but they tend to only use that in self-defense. And they do, they are known, sorry, should I say, to jump out of the water like little flying sea pancakes for a few reasons. Sometimes it's to escape predators. Sometimes it's to give birth. I mean, I can just picture that, this, this stingray jumping out of the water, popping out a few babies, and then all of them like bloop, 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 into the water, and then the giant one just barely flopping on top of them. Hey mom, is that you? Anyway, but most commonly they jump out of the water to get rid of parasites, which is super interesting. 
So, while these flying ray encounters are rare, they have happened in the past. However, Judy is the first recorded death by airborne stingray. In 2006, a South Florida man named James Bertakis, who was 82 at the time, was critically injured when a stingray jumped out of the water, flopped onto his boat, and stung him in his heart with his barb. However, he managed to survive and recover. Also, I could not found, find the sound of a stingray, so... Sorry. Just... Imagine that's it. Number five. George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. The curse of Tutankhamun. Or a mosquito bite. George Edward Stanhope Molyneux Herbert was the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. 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 That is a mouthful of a name. Anyway, he was an English aristocrat, and I have to include this because it is another ridiculous name. He was married to Almina Victoria Maria Alexandra Wombwell, or Wombwell. <laughs> imagine, imagine that was your full name. Anyway, Lord Carnarvon, or George, was incredibly wealthy, and his main thing was dealing in racehorses. He also really loved racing around in automobiles, and he had a terrible accident in 1901, which left him significantly injured and disabled. So to help with his disability, he would go spend winters in Egypt, in his beautiful Egypt house, because, you know, Egypt's got some nice weather. He found, though, that Egypt was very boring when he first started going there. So what he did is he started collecting artifacts as a hobby, which led to his love of Egyptology, and he then started to pursue it more seriously. You know, Egyptology. Archaeology. Archaeology in Egypt. But he was not quite cut out for the job due to being slightly older and also mildly disabled, so he decided to hire Howard Carter, an archaeologist from England. The two of them worked together for a few years, and just when the money was starting to dry up, Carter discovered the basically intact burial tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun, and he, along with George, officially unsealed it on the 17th of February, 1923. The discovery of this tomb made the two very famous. However, George was not around very long to enjoy that fame. Two months after the, the discovery of the tomb, he died suddenly. People in Egypt speculated and said that it was the curse of Tutankhamun, or the mummy's curse, that killed him. What actually happened is that he had been bitten by a mosquito on his face, and he accidentally nipped that bite while shaving, which led to blood poisoning and later pneumonia. People said that as he took his last breath, the lights in Cairo went out and that his dog back in England gave out a great howl and promptly died at the same time. Curse? Maybe. Unlucky? Definitely. Number 6. Philip McLean. Castle worry not. <laughs> In 1926, Philip McLean, who was 16 at the time, and his brother, who was 13 at the time, came upon a cassowary on their property in Australia. Now, before I carry on, let me quickly explain a cassowary to you. A cassowary is basically a combination of an emu and a turkey that is very angry all the time. Uh, I suppose if you look at it hard enough, it could also somewhat resemble a giant guinea fowl. If a guinea fowl and an ostrich had a baby. I mean, either one. Anyway, these guys can stand up to 2 meters tall and weigh as much as 60 kilograms. 
They have dinosaur legs, like straight up out of Jurassic Park, with three claw tipped toes that can reach up to 12 centimeters long. And I mean, just imagine getting kicked by that thing. It's hectic. There's a photo of one attacking a guy, but the guy's holding it looks like a door. I don't know, it could just be a plank or a shield. I don't know, Captain America. I don't know. But it's basically like there's just a picture of this fucking bird, like karate kicking, like airborne towards this man who's holding this, this door up. I'll post a picture on social media so you can see what I'm talking about. But anyway, back to Philip. Philip, there there were two stories, but the most widely reported story that I read was that the two brothers decided to go and club the bird, and it fought back, knocking the younger brother down, and when Philip intervened, he fell on the floor, and the giant hybrid of an emu turkey kicked him in the neck, severing his jugular vein, causing him to bleed out almost instantly. The second story is that the big bird from hell had injured the boy's dog, so Philip tried to protect the family pet, and in doing so he fell and the cassowary then kicked his neck, causing him to bleed out and die. I did research how to say this bird's name, and I believe cassowary is correct. If you put it in an Australian accent, cassowary, the cassowary kicked him in the throat, and that's that. Okay, no, that was bad. I'm so sorry, Australians. So yeah, that's... uh. A new fear of mine. You know, I've always like had a thing for... I respect ostriches because they are huge. They are dinosaurs. They are big and scary. And they will also kick you into oblivion. And emus too. Those guys are... I mean, I don't know if you've watched that TikTok channel. What's it called? Useless Farm with Karen the emu. Yeah, that thing. She scares me. And that woman is so calm. But anyway. That's Philip McLean and his cassowaries. Number seven, Bliss Scott and Sam Ballard, Escar Owner. Okay, so these are two completely separate instances, but both are kind of the same thing. So I'll start with Bliss Scott, who was a seven-year-old American girl who lived in Japan. In 2000, it is said that she touched an African snail, which was brought into Japan in World War II as a form of food. And it was not clear whether she then put her hand in her mouth or if she actually put the snail in her mouth, but she managed to contract a rare parasitic infection called rat lungworm. Or, okay, this is going to be tough. <clears throat> Angiostrongulus catonensis. Catonensis. Angiostrongulus catonensis. I'm so sorry. This led to her dying of meningoencephalitis, which is an infection of the brain and it's like covering the meninges. So when the brain is infected or inflamed, that is encephalitis. And when the meninges are inflamed or infected, that's meningitis. When both are infected, that's meningoencephalitis. Anyway, that parasite that I will not attempt to say again is found on the body of mollusks, such as snails, which get it from eating the infected feces of mice or rats. People can then get it in like get the disease by touching the snails, which makes me reconsider moving snails out of the path when I go on a run. But that also explains why it is called rat rat lungworm. Because it is from the feces of rats. Now for Sam Ballard in 2010, when he was 19 years old, him and his mates were having a boys' night. 
drinking wine and whatnot when a slug came slugging on up to them and somebody dared Sam to eat the slug, which he did. Gross. He fell ill within a few hours and it was found that he had contracted rat lungworm and he went into a coma for 420 days. He was left as a quadriplegic and this was due to the meningoencephalitis and after many complications he ended up dying eight years later. It's an unfortunate one. Just, it's very sad. Number eight. Kenneth Pinion. I can't think of a good one. I must warn you, this one is gruesome because it involves bestiality, which is just not okay. On the 2nd of July 2005, Kenneth was brought into the emergency room with internal injuries. He died in the emergency room from acute peritonitis due to the perforation of the colon. Basically, a hole in the colon caused an infection in the peritoneum, which is the membrane that lines the inner abdominal walls. What had happened is that Kenneth and and an associate were on a farm in Washington and they were doing disgusting things with farm animals. There is a video of Kenneth engaging in anal sex with a stallion horse and apparently this specific farm was known in the bestiality community. The fact that there's a community I don't don't understand. But anyway, this farm was known in the bestiality community as the place to go to get your dose of animal sex. Just know that I have the most unimpressed look on my face right now. I can't even. I also hate what my internet search history is, but I had to Google the size of a stallion's penis for this, for science. So sorry, Google overseers. So according to my very brief and very dirty feeling internet search, the average stallion penis size is 18 inches, and that is about 45 centimeters long. That should not be entering any human orifice ever. Anyway. After the act, Kenneth felt that he was internally injured and not well, but he didn't want to go to a hospital because he was an engineer for Boeing, and he was worried about how this would affect his... his... What's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) How it would affect the image of him. Why can I not think of what that word is? Mm. But anyways, after a few hours, he was actually dropped off at the hospital where he died from his injuries. The one good thing that came from this is that bestiality was then banned in Washington state after this death. It was legal in the state for 117 years before this. What the fuck, Washington? Why was it ever legal? I'd... Ew. This is not okay. The recording of such acts was also made into a criminal act. So I hope that people think twice now before they do terrible things to poor innocent baby animals. Not so baby, according to the size of his... Anyway. (laughs) Number 9. Jose Louis Okoa. Don't bring a knife to a cockfight. In 2011, Jose Louis Okoa attended an illegal cockfight near Bakersfield, California. The thing with cockfights, which is absolutely, which are absolutely terrible in themselves, is that people have now gone and ramped things up by attaching blades to the rooster's feet. What? I mean, it was bad enough as it was, like, but now they've got knives? Anyway, super cruel and not okay and very illegal. 
But at this particular cockfight, Jose happened to feel the wrath of one particular rooster and its blade. His leg was sliced open and this is what caused his death. He arrived at the hospital about two hours after his injury, but the doctors could not stop the bleeding as the blade had severed several arteries and he died from blood loss. It was listed as an accidental sharp force trauma. <coughs> Number 10. Anthony Hensley His Swan Song Anthony Hensley was a 37-year-old man who was a caretaker at a condominium complex in Cook County, Illinois. There was a lot of seas there. He would often feed and look after the mute swans which were brought in to control the geese in the area. In April 2012, Anthony was kayaking in the pond, which he often did, and he got too close to a nesting swan which lunged at him, causing him to fall out of his kayak, which isn't a problem normally, but as he tried to swim to the shore, the swan kept on attacking him and it lunged on like it kept lunging at him, and an eyewitness watched this happen, and it happened so many times that he eventually ended up drowning. So the thing with swans is they are extremely territorial and quite, and it, it's quite common to use them to control geese populations. They literally have no fear, especially when babies are involved. They will attack anything or anyone and unfortunately Anthony happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, facing off against the wrong animal. I mean, I'm scared of geese at the moment, but if geese are scared of swans, I guess that swans therefore are terrifying. I think I've, st I've realized something. I think that I may have an issue with large birds. It might be that. I think I should revisit my past to figure out what happened to me. So that's it folks. 10, technically 11, strange and unfortunate deaths. I thought we could all use a palate cleanser after the terrible serial killer talk over the past few weeks. Uh, it is a very short episode, but you know what? It's a baby. It's a, it's a shot of taboo, baby. Yes. Yes, baby. So, if you enjoy episodes like these, please let me know and I will do more of them. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or anywhere really. I would really appreciate it. It, it does help the show grow. Ooh. It does help the show grow organically. Um, and also it would really make me happy and smile and I'll keep doing this and hopefully get better at it. <laughs> Follow me on social media to get updates and see the images for the episodes. On Instagram, it is at cupoftaboo underscore podcast. On Facebook, you can just search for Cup of Taboo. Email me anything you want to hear about on cupoftaboo at gmail.com. And yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next week where I will discuss another taboo topic. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's there. Stay happy, hydrated, and healthy, my friends. Peace! I know some things I